African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning. Welcome to the Monday edition of African Dialogue here on Channel Africa. I'm Kumbaru Mjellere. We are currently on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. We are, of course, coming to you live from Johannesburg this morning. Now, Zimbabwe has spoken and has renewed its mandate to its ZANU PF president, Emerson Munangagwa, who won the election by 50.8 percent of the vote against his close contender Nelson Chamisa of the opposition at the MDC alliance who only got 44.3 of the vote now the opposition has been crying foul though after the election results were announced saying there were some irregularities in the vote counting process while election day was peaceful protests rocked the capital Harare over the delay in announcing the polar results and six people were reportedly killed in an army crackdown against the protesters. Well, to discuss this further, I am joined on the line by a panel of experts. I'm joined by Dr. Ibo Mandaza, uh, Dr. Shingai Mutizwa Mangiza, as well as uh, Chilumumba all Zimbabwean political analysts. Uh, thank you all uh, for joining us uh, here on uh, African Dialogue. Welcome. Thank you. All right, let, let me start with you, Dr. Mandaza. The Zimbabweans have uh, spoken in uh, the election last week. Do you think the official outcome of the vote, as announced by Zimbabwe's Electoral Commission, is a true reflection of the will of Zimbabweans? Uh, far from it, uh, obviously. Far from it. It's a decision election again. With, uh, and I, to, 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 be, to be brief, I'm informed that the MDC Alliance are in court this morning, uh, challenging the results, both presidential and parliamentary, um, and that there is uh, overwhelming and compelling evidence that the rigging was quite widespread, especially with respect to the presidential ballot. So we have to wait and hear from the court. Dr. Muti Zamangiza, what do you think? Thank you. I do think that um, there, there does remain uh, a bit of a dark cloud over the elections. And the reason I say this is that uh, I think people have, still have vivid memories of the election uh, in 2008, which was equally contentious. And uh, if you could recall, the results were also delayed. So I think the present election, in essence, um, you know, particularly in regards to the release of the presidential uh, results, which are delayed by a day, kind of uh, is reminiscent of that particular experience. So that has, you know, elicited a lot of doubt. Um, now we are hearing, you know, that there, there are two sets 
uh, of results, the ones by the MDC and the ones that we, we saw announced um, by the state broadcaster on the evening of the 2nd. Um, I think whichever way one looks at it, these results were always going to be very contentious, regardless of the outcome. And I, the way I see it is that... Um, you know, the only way for this election to, for this cloud to be removed is that if, you know, uh, both parties actually do go to court and available evidence is heard by the Constitutional Court and the determination is, is made from there. I think that is the only way that uh, at this particular point in time, given that it's unlikely both sides can agree, uh, that's probably the only, the best course right now for, for legal action to be actually, to actually determine the outcome. All right, we seem to have uh, lost one of our guests here, but we will try and re-establish uh, contact. Let me come to you, uh, Achille Mumba. Are you with us? I'm, I'm here. All right, you have also been vocal in terms of the electoral processes in Zimbabwe. Do you think the official outcome of the vote as announced by Zimbabwe's Electoral Commission is a true reflection of the will of Zimbabweans? Well, look, I, this, this is how I put it. Under the circumstances, all else being equal, this is as good a result as you are going to get. Now, is an electoral process perfect? Is it seamless? No. Is it perfect or seamless anywhere else in the world? No. I don't know a single place in the world uh, currently, or at least in recent politics, which has had a seamless process. There is nothing bizarre taking place when MDC disputes the result. But as far as the result that has been announced, this is as good as you are going to get. Both parties played the game. One party played it better. I find it very uh, undemocratic when you have a political party that says there is no result except the result that we announced. So unless you announce the result we are telling you, then this election was not free and fair. Um, Zano PF has won the election. The people who should be carrying out the litmus uh, judgment of did they win or did they not win have done so. Uh, anyone else outside of the authorities or the observers who are participating, I mean, how would you even find the intelligence to now be able to give us an accurate insight of what happened across the country when you were stuck in one city while all of it was happening? Now, the MDC alliance has been crying foul, saying that they feel cheated by the vote accounting mm-hmm. process, especially with regards to the final tally of uh, their yeah. presidential results. They claim they have evidence uh, to back this up, uh, uh, but they have not produced that evidence. Uh, do you think mm-hmm. they are merits, actually, uh, Mumba, in what the MDC alliance is complaining about here? So first of all, if there are merits, they should be allowed to submit those merits before court. That's why the electoral law gives them uh, the leeway and legal permission to be able to submit their issues before the court of law. So if the issues are there, they absolutely should be able to bring them forward. Now, do I think the issues are there? Absolutely not. I look at history and I look at um, the precedent set by MDC. Number one, they have never been able to conduct an internal election themselves. So nothing warrants them to now get to a point where they can coach, teach, 
or rectify what has happened in an election. They've never had an election internally that has ended well. But number two, um, if you look at the electoral processes within MDC, anytime anyone loses an election, the next thing they do is start their own political party. They have no understanding of the concept of democracy, that democracy isn't just about what do you do when you win. Democracy is also equally about what do you do when you don't win. This they've never understood. I don't believe anything they're doing is going to produce any result except actually destroying what is left of that political party. Because bear in mind, there is no MDC left. Uh, because once these elections are done, that alliance is crumbling apart because it's not a political party. All right, uh, Dr. Ibo Mandaza, you mentioned earlier that uh, this uh, election result is not a true reflection of the will of uh, Zimbabweans. Do you think there are merits in what the MDC alliance is complaining about? Yes, uh, we just want to report to the last gentleman. Unfortunately, Achille Mumba, yeah. my phone has been cut, so I didn't, I didn't follow the previous discussion. I heard the last speaker, uh, he says that uh, MD doesn't exist. What does exist in Zimbabwe is a massive opposition, which is more than the MDC itself. What is also true is that the ZANU-PF is a shattered party. What's left of it is a divided uh, empire, heavily divided. But most important of all, Ever since the 90s, when the, the late 90s, when the, the former liberation movement lost its mandate, the opposition forces have been larger than the Zanu-PF. It is fair to conclude that for the last elections since 2000, Zanu-PF has lost. And that's the reality on the ground. And therefore, there was definitely, in our view, those of us who have been here since 1980, there's a definite correlation between the massive turnout for the opposition at, at, in, in the pre-election uh, campaign and the likely outcome which would have, would have felt a landslide defeat for Emerson Nangawa and Zanopik. And I have no doubt that when the MDC produces this, the information before the court, that reality will be reflected. But, but do, do you think it was justified, Dr. Mandaza, for the MDC Alliance leader Nelson Chamisa to come out before the election results were even announced that uh, he has won the election? Was not that uh, inflammatory statement? It, it's political banter, not necessarily uh, uh, inflammatory. Nangago said the same thing. Zanupia said the same thing. That's normal before election before election results. It's like two boxes in the ring. Uh, uh, each one claiming to be leading. But you know, in this case, you see, my dear friend, whenever there is a large turnout, as there was the 30th of July, that turnout is usually in all election process usually a turnout by the opposition, not the incumbents. That is the, the, the trend of politics uh, of voting, not only in, African, in Africa or the third world, but throughout the world. When you see a massive turnout as there was in the third year, some of us knew at once which way that wind was blowing. So in many respects, whilst I agree that uh, uh, Shamita may should not have been so assertive, 
And for those of us who are observers of the political process, and really sure. analysts of the political process over the years, I have no doubt at all as to what the outcome was. Sure. None at all. Okay, let me bring in uh, Archie Lumumba here. How, how do you respond to that, uh, Archie? Oh, look, and so you're based in South Africa, and when you go into elections, ANC has rallied, so does EFF, so does DA. If you use that as a way to judge who's going to be winning the elections, then there'll be no point of actually going to elections. We would just say, everybody carry out rallies, and let's see who's going to win. The virility of an audience has nothing or no bearing to what is going to happen in the ballot box. I've seen rallies where thousands of people have shown up who are not registered to vote. I've seen rallies where millions of people have shown up who decide to vote for the other person. A rally is not what you use to judge who is going to win. Now, furthermore to that, MDC had a responsibility, and the responsibility was to get as many of their supporters to come out and vote for them. So did ZANU-PF. What happened on election day is ZANU-PF was able to bring more people out. How do you know this? We look at the reports that were nationalistic in approach of gathering. So there was, you know, outside of just the Zimbabwe Electoral Commission, there was ZESNI, there was Citizens Manifesto, there was the, uh, the, um, the Observer Mission, there was local NGOs who were carrying out their own polling exercises, exit polls, entry and exit polls. And there is not a single uh, exit poll, at least that I saw of the of the seven that were presented to the nation, that suggested Nelson Chamisa was going to win. All of them suggested he was catching up and he was very close. There's not a single exit poll, uh, sorry, there's not a single observer uh, mission or observer report that said MDC was underhanded during the electoral exercise. Sure. Because when you know, when you have a situation where a person gets to a ballot box and they can't vote because their name is not in the in the voters' roll, that's not to the handicap of MDC because you don't know if that person was an MDC supporter. I, I, where, where I vote, I went and I was at the wrong polling station. When I went to the next polling station, I was told to go to the front of the queue sure. because I'd come from another polling station already. So, yes, there were hiccups, but there were not hiccups uh, prejudicing MDC in favor of Zanopia. MDC lost this is why presidents, who have the finest intelligence in the country at that point of elections, have announced to say we're congratulating, we're congratulating Emerson Munangago because their intelligence has guided them. Dr. Shingai Mutiswa, what do you think um, in terms of the rally attendance? Do you think rally attendance usually translates into vote? Because we have seen even before the election, both rallies addressed by Nelson Chamisa as well as uh, the Zanopiev rally, they were well attended. Do you think uh, we can read, ma- read much from rally attendance? Well, certainly what the rally attendance did uh, inform us was that certainly um, this election, uh, as people were terming it, was uh, going to be quite significant. Um, first and foremost, you will recall that Nelson Chamisa is essentially a new face, um, not new to politics, but he's essentially a new captain of his team. So I think you know, there was necessarily a sense of enthusiasm uh, vis-a-vis his age uh, and vis-a-vis, again, his charismatic style. Now, as to whether that actually translates into votes, uh, that, does not necess- that is not always necessarily the case. And the reason I say so is, first and foremost, you also, one has to understand uh, the nature of the way politics is organized, particularly in the rural areas. 
Now, for a long time, um, by design or default, the MDC uh, has not really had much of a strong presence, uh, a rural presence at that. And despite the fact that we saw these large rallies, particularly in places like Wedza and Marondera and whatnot, um, that, those, that enthusiasm uh, may have been there you know, uh, for him. But in as far as um, understanding, you know, uh, particularly in terms of the day-to-day uh, way within which people understand their political reality and their own lived realities, that may not necessarily uh, have resonated uh, with the voters. So in as much as the crowds may have been large, that is not to say that, you know, that would automat- automatically trans- um, translate into votes. And this is particularly true when we're speaking of the parliamentary results. Uh, as we saw, Zanu PF got quite almost a two-thirds um, majority. So the fact that they didn't have much of a strong presence, at least in, in as far as their structures, party structures on the ground, that could have um, militated or mitigated against any you know wins that they would have uh, that they would have acquired. All right, uh, hold it there. We will take a quick break. When we return, we continue with our discussion right here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Welcome back. You are listening to the African Dialogue here on Channel Africa from an African perspective. And today we are talking about Zimbabwe's future after the historic election last week. Let me come to you, Dr. Mandaza. Everyone still wants to know um, who it was that ordered the army last week uh, to shoot and kill. President Mnangagwa claimed ignorance and said a team comprising local and foreign investigators would probe these killings. Do we know who ordered the army to fire live ammunition, Dr. Mandaza? Well, it's very clear that, that it was the the army hierarchy, the suggestion is that this came in uh, because of the presidential guard and or the commando units, which I believe comes under, under directly under 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 Chuenga. That is that is the uh, the conclusion by most people. But until until we know, and indeed I don't think there's need for commission of inquiry. The, there's enough footage. I saw it live on ESPA myself. There's enough footage, people are able to identify the soldiers uh, who, are, who, are on, who are on the rampage. And I'm sure just the, the state could quickly put together the, 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 the evidence to show who exactly was charged on that day. And, and uh, they must know by now who gave the order, clearly. Achi Lumumba, what did you make of uh, the live ammunition fired by the army last week? I think it is, I think it is completely 
unacceptable. Um, I think it's just we should never allow room for such acts in our society, and I think it should be condemned in the strongest manner, which I think it has been by everybody, both from the opposition, ZANU-PF, and internationally. Now, let's go to the issue of how did we end up here. Sure. I don't want to apportion any blame to President Mnangagwa as much as I don't want to apportion any blame for the protesters to Nelson Chamisa. If you're going to go by both their statements, which both have denied being the ones that gave the order that led to this manifestation, then let's respect both of them until the investigation is carried out. Nelson Chamisa said he's not the one who provoked because he's not the one who sent who incited people to go on the street. President Emerson Nangagwa said he's not the one who commissioned the military. Uh, and in fact, the police commissioner came out himself in his press conference and he said, I am the one who requested for the military to intervene through the powers enabled uh, to me by POSA. Um, so only the investigation will give us the conclusion, but the result is that both sides come out looking terrible um, because of what happened on August the 1st. Now, let me come to you, uh, Motija Mangiza. The South African uh, president, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, was uh, quick off the block uh, from the Sadak region to congratulate uh, Emerson Mnangagwa on his election as uh, the president of Zimbabwe. Do you think uh, this uh, congratulatory message was premature? Well, I think President uh, Ramaphosa would uh, likely have gone on the basis, of course, of the results announced, you know, on the SABC. Now, having said that, I think what's uh, also important uh, to note, and which I think uh, we need to highlight here, is that is the reaction uh, subsequent to the announcement of the results of international observers. Now, what I note, which is interesting, is that there has really been not uh, there hasn't been really a definitive statement uh, other than coming from the observers from the United States such as the International Republican Institute and the National Democratic Institute to the extent that Zach needs to produce its results but the EU observer team other than their initial report preliminary report um, saying that it was an unlevel playing ground sure. it did not come out to say uh, that the election uh, was non-credible I mean, that remains to be seen, uh, what they do in the days subsequent to that. But it was also instructive to note that the Commonwealth Observer Team also did not uh, pronounce definitively uh, one way or the other uh, in regards to the results. So I think what this does is that it does leave an element of leeway. It may have, it may create uh, within the broader, uh, broader perception a sense that um, you know, since no one has come out to, other than the opposition, to kind of uh, vehemently criticize or dispute the election results, that the election results were credible. So within this context, it is easy to understand how uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa and other subsequent set of states would come and pronounce or offer their congratulatory messages. The fact of the matter is, as we, as we stand, I mean, um, other than the, you know, the election violence, which we all, you know, you know, uh, vehemently condemn, 
and uh, you know decried, there has at that level of observers not been you know a very uh, decisive pronouncement on the results uh, as to whether they were you know whether they were you know um, illegitimate or not. So I think that within that space that allows you know that is what has allowed to embolden leaders uh, to pronounce them. So with that in mind. Um, you could argue that probably was, you know, uh, it, you know, it may not have been premature. Um, but as I said, you know, um, I don't think one could be forced for doing that. I mean, they could only go on the basis of uh, the pronounced results. Dr. Mandaza, what do you think? Uh, do you think uh, Cyril Ramaphosa's message was premature in your view? Very premature, especially in the light, in the light of the fact that there is enough or enough information coming from the South African radio stations, TV stations, and indeed the international community, that this election will be a disputed election. Not to mention the violence of the of the of the Wednesday last week. Sure. And more and more in, more, more more so inappropriate for a SADC chair. How would he then mediate tomorrow if he is rush take time? If they have held, reserved this position, wait for the dispute to be resolved in court, and possibly be the, in fact, the chair of any mediation that might take place. How can one trust him now as a public chair? Yes, it was very premature and highly inappropriate. Actually, Mumba, at what point do you think the regional body, SADC, and uh, indeed, the African Union should get involved in uh, uh, what is happening in Zimbabwe, do you think? I think they should only get it. Well, first of all, they're already involved because they were in the country as the elections were taking place. Um, but at what point do I think they should intervene when Zimbabwe has failed to manage it by themselves? And we're far from that place. I don't think we're going to get to that place. We have a very strong judicial system in the country, perhaps one of the strongest on the continent. Uh, so Nelson Chamisa and MDC Alliance claims will be heard before the court of law, and the court of law will make a decision. Now, if they decide they also do not respect the courts the same way they do not respect the deck, then we've entered a whole new terrain altogether. Understand, if you can say you... If you can claim that one institution of government is captured, and you, you can claim that a second one is captured, so ZEC is captured, police is captured, military is captured, next we're going to hear the courts are captured, and as these claims go, this is what led Uhuru Kenyatta to inaugurating himself. Now, if they get themselves there, the difference between Kenya and Zimbabwe is the same institutions they're calling captured are actually becoming stronger and capable of defending themselves. So they can expect the courts to reprimand them, they can expect the military to defend states, and they can expect police to do their job. Only then do I see international uh, intervention. Now, l- l- let's talk about another elephant in the room here. Actually, the European Union Election Observer Mission said that the election was characterized by an improved political climate, inclusive participation rights, and a peaceful vote, but unlevel playing field, intimidation of voters, and lack of trust in the process. The Commonwealth Mission condemned the shooting and beating of unarmed protesters uh, this week 
Church and African observers were less critical of the situation. But the conduct of election observers has also come under severe criticism, hasn't it, Archie? Yes, it has. But understand, when you say election observers and you're referring to European, you know, a European observer mission that is led from Brussels, they haven't seen a lot, you know. The reason why the African Union is not as unforgiving as the European Union is try and go and witness elections in Cameroon where literally kids and women are being put on the firing line and they're being shot in front of the camera. Go to Congo and look at the election happening in the Congo. So compare based on what they have seen elsewhere. Whereas if you're coming from Europe, you're comparing elections, you know, day, which are literally day and night. Now, understand also in the language in the European Commission statement that they don't say the level playing field is not balanced because ZANU-PF has a head start, or they don't say ZANU-PF is the one that is intimidating voters. The intimidation of voters is happening largely in the opposition more than it's actually happening in ZANU-PF. I'll give you an example. The debacle between Tokozani Kupe and Nelson Chemisa as they fought for the name of the party MDCT has produced more insults more fights, more promises of death and violence than anything ZANU-PF has done on record. I'm referring to what's on record, not what's off the record. On record, you can pull up footage where MDC is promising to kill Tokozani Kupe and her followers. They are promising to go to war against Tokozani Kupe and her followers. So I think there's been more intra-party conflict than there has been intra-party conflict. I mean, the primary elections of both political, leading political parties produced chaos. On ZANU-PF's hand, you had people who were swearing they would never accept the result until they had won. On MDC's end, you had people who were saying there should be no election unless I win. Um, so both parties, you know, has, have a lot of improvement to make. But overall, when you look at these observer mission statements. They are highlighting two principal things. One, Zimbabwe has made steps forward from where we were before. Two, Zimbabwe needs to work extra strong to strengthen our institutions. The trouble is in the institutions more than it is actually in the political parties. We need to capacitate ZEC so that the job of educating the voter happens earlier and happens better. Dr. Shingai Mutisha, what do you think um, about the conduct of uh, the observer missions? Well, I think the, the conduct of the observer missions, I mean, granted that this was the first time in a long time that the members of the EU and the, the Commonwealth as well as the Americans were coming uh, for the first time. I would say that their conduct, broadly speaking, was, was measured. I mean, they tried... Uh, at least prior to the, the violence, of course, um, of the August 2nd, I mean, they tried to give a very objective um, you know, insight as to their own findings. Um, as you pointed out, they did find that they were generally peaceful, um, but however, in some instances, of course, they found that there was an unlevel playing field. In some areas, they did note uh, an element of disorganization. So I think what they did give us was an impression of uh, an electoral environment that was markedly improved, 
but however, of course, could obviously uh, there were still some elements that were left to be desired. But according um, to sorry to inter according to Archie, they have not seen a lot in terms of what was happening on the ground. Eh? Do you agree with that? Well, I think it's also important to note that, remember, um, electoral observers uh, were in the country uh, prior to the, you know, um, I think about a week or two prior to the actual vote itself. So I think in as far as, you know, looking at preparations, they would have had uh, a sense of uh, what was going on. Further, they would have also had um, some interaction with the officials at ZEC to get somewhat of a clear picture. So even if they were not able to travel extensively to see, to witness, you know, all polling stations, um, they would have had uh, sufficient uh, information, which is, why I've, which is why I noted earlier that it's, it's quite interesting that uh, their response, their overall response in regards to, um, to the actual uh, conduct of the election, um, you know, at least from for the little I can gather, has not been as damning as in previous uh, in previous years, but of course in previous years they were not uh, they had not participated. But I think um, if anything, you know, uh, you know, their um, what they have done rather has kind of you know uh, it has given the impression that, as I said, that the electoral environment does seem to be improving. But however, that there are things that need to be done. I think what remains for us to see is there what you know uh, in any subsequent reports that they produce now, now that the poll is over, for us to get you know a, a, um, a clearer picture sure. of their own impressions. Okay. But I think their conduct, I mean, uh, you know, was largely okay. Now, before I cut, before I, I, I conclude, perhaps maybe um, on the part of the SADC and AU. Uh, because they were also a bit uh, premature, I think, I suppose, in their own pronouncements, such that they declared it free and fair before the results were out, um, that may also be called into question. But broadly speaking, you know, beyond that, I'd say that in as far as their own observations and their own conduct, I think, uh, you know, um, yeah, given the circumstances, I think they can't be faulted. Dr. Mandaza, do you think another government of national unity is uh, in the offing here, given the MDC's uh, legal challenge of the vote? Yes, yes, also it's a very complicated one. Uh, it's inevitable that we have some kind of settlement. Uh, there are some of us who We've been working on this kind of thing. I hope that it's a different structure from what we had in the last time. That it will, in, in fact, be a transitional uh, government pending new elections and after requisite economic and political reforms. That's uh, that I think that what has happened now clearly the, the, uh, indicates that that could be the best solution. A transitional government. Uh, made up of no more than 18 people, mostly non-partisan persons, who steer the country, reporting to Parliament, steer the country with a, a reform agenda until the next election. Unfortunately, we are running out of uh, time. Hey, uh, Doctor, I'm going to bring in Archie Lumumba here. What, do you think uh, another government of national unity is in the office? Achi, are you with Dr. us? Ibram, yes, I'm here. Dr. Ibo Mandai is one of the most respected scholars in the country, but he's got it absolutely wrong on this one. Mark my words. 
there will be absolutely nothing remotely close to a government of national unity or a national transitional authority. You cannot create a government of national unity because the other side is unhappy, but they lost. ZANU-PF is going to serve a full five-year term because legally they've got the mandate to do so. And they've been endorsed by the most important structures, which happens to be SADC, South Africa, and the African Union. Everybody else is, is ancillary. But SADC, African Union, and South Africa, those are the real game changers in this game. Sure. And they've already endorsed it. So sure. nothing remotely close to it in transitional authority is coming at all. All right, unfortunately, that's all we had time for. I would like to thank all my guests uh, for having participated on the show. Remember, Africa Midday is coming up uh, at 12 Central African time with all uh, the continental uh, news roundup. From me, Kumbaro Munjere, cheers. We are playing out with a song called Wawa by Thomas Mapubo. Cheers. Oh, yeah.